0: I would ask that you open your Bibles or your device, whichever one it is that you're using today, to John chapter 13, and take and place your finger on the 21st verse. That is where we are going to begin reading in just a moment. What a wonderful time of worship through music, through song this morning. I love the song that Andy led us in corporately, that last song that uh, we sang together how much we need the Lord. I don't know about you, but there's some times in my life I just feel as though I more desperately need God than at other times in my life. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life, but I know that I've experienced that in my life. And I've come to realize that when I'm willing to call out to the Lord and when I'm truly desperate for Him, this is what I've come to understand, God will always show up. God will always come and speak through his word into my lives. And I hope that you've experienced that as well. And then the song that Sherry sang, I love that song. As you were singing that in the first service, Sherry, it reminded me of the story. Of Mary at the feet of Jesus. That wonderful story where Martha is busy serving the Lord Jesus Christ and it's always good for us to serve. We should as God's people have an overwhelming desire to want to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you remember anything about that story, Martha is busy serving She comes to Jesus Christ. Mary is sitting at the table, and as she's sitting at the table, Martha whispers in Jesus' ear, tell my sister to get up and help me. Do you remember how Jesus Christ responded to Martha? Oh, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. Do you not realize that Mary has chosen what is best? You see, sitting at the feet of Jesus is always the best, folks. Being in His presence is always greater than anything else. Us crying out from our hearts that we desperately need the Lord more than anything else in our lives, that's what's most important in your life. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but I would tell you this morning, If you feel empty and you are desperate, call on Jesus' name. Just call on the Lord's name and he will come to you and he will minister to you. All right, John chapter 13. We're going to look at a wonderful story this morning. A sad but wonderful story. It is a story of betrayal. A story of betrayal. Let me ask you a question this morning before we read this story, this narrative together. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were betrayed by someone who was very dear and near to your heart? Perhaps a business associate, maybe a very good friend, or maybe a relative. Or maybe you've experienced the betrayal of a spouse. Do you remember what it felt like? When you were betrayed, you remember the hurt and the pain, the sting of that betrayal? Perhaps you became angry, or maybe you experienced a sort of bitterness in your heart toward that person. If you've ever experienced betrayal in your life and you understand the hurt and the pain that goes along with that, I can tell you, you can relate to Jesus Christ in this story. You see, I've come to realize something in relationships. Relationships are made up by imperfect people. And at some point in time, we will all fail one another in relationships. Isn't that true? But there was one who never failed at any point in any relationship he ever had. He always loved the right way. He always said the right thing. He always did the right thing. That was Jesus Christ. And in spite of that all, he still experienced the betrayal of someone he loved very deeply. The betrayal of one of his apostles, a man whose name was Judas. So if you have your Bibles there, just find it. And excuse me for one moment. Brother Mark, if you would just turn. Right. Thank you. He was reading my mind before I ever got there. That's a great sound man that reads your mind before you ever get there. Sometimes on Sunday morning, I, uh, you know, after speaking for long periods of time, I began to lose my voice. I just need a drink of water. So if you find your place there, verse 21, listen to what it says here. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at the table, or at Jesus' side at the table. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking, so that the disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread, when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Now it would be easy for us to read this story this morning and think to ourselves, I can't believe that Judas would do something like this. There is no doubt that what Judas did was very wrong and it should cause each one of us to stop and pause but I would also caution us this morning before we start chunking stones at Judas we need to be careful to examine our own lives and ask ourselves the challenging question am I betraying Jesus Christ through the daily actions of my life. Now, some of you may say this morning, well, Brother Jeff, is that even possible for a believer to betray Jesus Christ? Well, I think it is. As a matter of fact, I would say to you, isn't that exactly what the Apostle Peter did when he denied Jesus Christ three times? now understanding that peter's situation and judas's situation were very different and their response to their situation was very different nowhere do we ever see in scripture that judas ever indicated any repentive action toward the wrong that he had committed He never once cries out to God, please have mercy on me or forgive me for the wrong that I have done. No doubt he probably shed a few tears along the way, but there is no evidence in his life of godly sorrow that led to true repentance. I would tell you that the sickness that Judas experienced is the same sickness that many people experience in our world today. It's the sickness of, I'm sorry I got caught. But when you look at the life of Peter, you see something very different. Peter was heartbroken over his sinfulness. Peter was more than I'm sorry I got caught, Peter displayed godly sorrow that led to true repentance. Both betrayed Jesus Christ, but I would tell you their responses were very different. So I believe that it is possible for a person who is a believer to betray Jesus Christ through the actions of their life maybe we don't do it overtly like Judas did maybe we don't betray Jesus Christ to the religious leaders of our day and time maybe we do it more subtly in our day-to-day lives in the actions of our life this morning I want to share with you three different ways if we are not careful we can betray Jesus Christ as one of his followers number one If we're not careful, we can betray Jesus Christ by being a hypocrite. By being a hypocrite. The word hypocrite is a very unusual word. It means to play act. It refers to the actors of the ancient world. During the different scenes of the play, the actors would wear a mask to reflect the character they were portraying. Thus, the people in the audience would say of the actors... They were play acting. Now, in our world today, we don't use the word hypocrite to refer to play acting, even though we oftentimes see an event that looks much like the actors of the first century. How many of you have ever had a child who dressed up as one of their favorite characters and then they acted out that character's nature? Have you ever had that? What do we often say when we see a child do that? We oftentimes say, oh, they are play acting. Actually, what they are being is little hypocrites. Because that is the true meaning of the word. In modern times, that word hypocrite has taken on a negative connotation. It has come to refer to a person who pretends to be someone they are not. When we see that kind of person, we say they are a hypocrite. Can I say to you... We'll try again, all right, brother? you got to love southeast Texas weather, right, and all that it does to you. You probably don't love it near as much as I do, though, especially when you're trying to stand in the pulpit and preach a sermon, but your, your voice continues to run away. In modern times, we use the word hypocrite, but in our time, it has taken on a negative connotation. It has come to refer to a person who pretends to be someone they are not. When we see that kind of person, we look at them and we say, that person is a hypocrite. Isn't that what we do? Well, I would say to you this morning, that is exactly who Judas was. He pretended to be someone that he wasn't. When you look at the life of Judas, he was the treasurer of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. He was the one who carried the money bag. And on more than one occasion in Scripture, it says that Judas helped himself to the money bag. Judas was a thief. As a matter of fact, if you remember, several weeks ago, we looked at the story of Mary anointing Jesus Christ's body with perfume before he died. Do you all remember that story when we looked at it? If you remember, it was a very expensive vial of perfume that Mary offered or anointed Jesus' body with. And it was Judas who boldly stood up and made the announcement, that could have been sold and the money given to the poor but really what was in the center of Judas's heart was a desire to have the money for himself. When you examine the life of Judas, it is easy to walk away and draw the conclusion Judas was a hypocrite. He pretended to be somebody that he truly was not. But I would question this morning, is Judas' actions any different than a person who claims to have a deep love for the Lord, but then spends all their time and money pursuing the gods of this world more than pursuing Jesus Christ. What does it say when a person... Calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ, but they treasure the things of this world more than they treasure the things of God. Remember, a hypocrite is a person who play acts. They say, They are someone they are not. If we are not careful, I would tell you today, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is very easy to betray Jesus Christ by being a hypocrite. Number two, I think the second way that we can portray Jesus Christ in our life is by having impure motives for following Him. You know, the Bible is full of stories of men and women who came to Jesus Christ. And many of those people who came to Jesus Christ followed Jesus Christ with impure motives this point raises such an important question in the life of a believer the question that it raises is this why do we do what we do why do we follow Jesus Christ do we follow Jesus Christ for a miracle for prosperity for health to see a show do we follow Jesus Christ just to simply impress someone else so that we'll have a better standing in their eye when we think about the fact that it is easy to betray jesus christ the question that comes to our mind what is our motive for following him why do we follow jesus christ why do we do what we do the four gospel accounts are full of stories of men and women who follow jesus christ with impure motives As a matter of fact, I would ask you just to turn your Bibles back to chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. John records for us one such instance where there was a group of people that came to Jesus Christ with impure motives. The story or the chapter starts with the story of the feeding of the 5,000. After the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus Christ sends his apostles across the lake to the other side. In the middle of the night, Jesus Christ comes walking on the water out to the apostles during the midst of a great storm. The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, this is verse 22, saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now listen to what it says here, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now listen to Jesus' response. Jesus answered them truly truly I say to you you are seeking me not because you saw the signs now remember what a sign is a sign points to something greater than itself through the signs Jesus Christ clearly spoke to the crowds about who he was through the signs, Jesus Christ revealed himself to the crowd as the long-awaited Messiah, God in the human flesh. Jesus Christ says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, not because of who I am, but because you ate your field of the loaves of bread. You are seeking me not because you want to be a true follower of mine. The reason you seek after me is because you want to have your tummies filled that's what Jesus Christ is saying in pure motives now just go over to the end of chapter 6 and listen to what it is that is said here Jesus Christ has just offered this challenging teaching do you remember what the teaching was Jesus Christ said if you want to be a follower of mine what do you have to do you have to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh Now, we know that Jesus Christ was speaking symbolically when he spoke of that, right? Now, I want you to hear what it is that says here in verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do not take offense at this. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he said to them, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. Now listen right here. This is important. Just highlight this verse. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him in pure motives. This was surely true in the life of Judas. When we look at the life of Judas, it is easy to see Judas followed Jesus with impure motives. No doubt, Judas Judas believed Jesus would establish an earthly kingdom which he would rule over. And because of his close association with Jesus, Judas thought one day he would receive a prominent position in that kingdom in pure motives. I'm sure you're just like me. In the time that I've been in the ministry, I've seen this on more than one occasion. People are needing some kind of miracle from God in their life and they make a deal with the Lord. God, if you will only give me the miracle I need, then I will follow you. And they do for a time until God doesn't work in the manner in which they desire for Him to work. And then just like Judas, they forsake the Lord. I've seen this in relationships When a young man pursues a young woman, he knows that she goes to church and he'll start attending church with her. Don't laugh at me. You know what I'm talking about. We've all seen this before. And you know what? Once he catches that woman, you never see him again in the church house. In pure motives. Let me ask you a question this morning. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Why do you do what you do? Listen to me very carefully this morning. If you are simply following Jesus for what you think He can do for you, rather than a genuine love in your heart for Him, and a desire to worship Him and serve Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I tell you, there will be a time that will come in your life like Judas, you will become disillusioned with Him, and you too will forsake Him. In pure motives. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? I also believe there's a third way that we can betray Jesus Christ by our actions. I want you to listen to it very carefully. By failing to share the gospel message. On at least four occasions in the gospels, we are challenged by Jesus Christ to make disciples. Perhaps the most familiar passage of Scripture is the one that is found in Matthew chapter 28. Do you remember the words of Jesus Christ there? He's gathered his disciples are with him. He's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. These are the very last words that Jesus Christ will speak to his apostles while he's on earth. Would you agree with me this morning when I make this statement, last words are very important? As a matter of fact, I can still remember some of the very last words that my grandparents spoke to me before they died. They made an impression upon my life. Can I say to you this morning, the last words of Jesus Christ are to make a very big impression in our lives. You want to hear them? This is what Jesus Christ said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So I send you, go and make disciples. That's what he said. very last words out of Jesus Christ's mouth is to go and make me known to a lost and dying world. Share my story with the world that we live in. That's what he's saying. Paul adds to that in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Do you know what he says there? He says, you are ambassadors. Of Christ think about that what a privilege we have been given as God's people to be Jesus Christ ambassador to the world can you think of a higher honor than that think about the ambassadors of America hand chosen by our president to go and represent our country our government to other countries to foreign powers what a privilege they have been given right Now, the unique thing about ambassadors is this. They don't speak on behalf of their own benefit. They speak on behalf of the government that they represent. We don't speak on behalf of our own benefit. We speak on the behalf of Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that what we do? We have been called to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there any greater calling than that? So I have a very important question for you this morning. When is the last time you told somebody about Jesus Christ? A day? A week? A month? A year? I mean, we do actually believe that people apart from Jesus Christ die and go to a place called hell. We do believe that, right? I mean, after all, it is biblical. Do we, do we really believe that? We do believe that people apart from Jesus Christ are living under the wrath of God. Don't we believe that? That they are utterly helpless and hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. We do believe that, right? I mean, we do believe the Word of God, don't we? I mean, sharing our faith is biblical, isn't it? As some of you here this morning may be saying, well, wait just a minute, Pastor. I do share my faith. I share my faith by being a good example, living a good life. Hey, and listen, I want to say to you, please keep it up. We need to live a good life. We need to represent Jesus Christ well in the way that we live our lives. Amen. Shouldn't we do that? Yeah, I want to encourage that. I want to be your biggest cheerleader. I want to encourage you, please live a good and godly life. There must always be a clear demonstration of the gospel through the lives that we live. But I would remind you this morning, simply being a good example will never ever bring anyone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it for a moment. If a good example was enough, Judas would have been a believer. He had the greatest example of all, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never made one mistake. Jesus Christ always loved rightly. Jesus Christ never committed any sins against anyone. Jesus Christ was the perfect example. Folks, the demonstration of the gospel always must be accompanied by a clear proclamation of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If the gospel is not shared, people cannot come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ they must hear the gospel message now listen it's important I want you to hear what I'm going to say if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord who saves that means you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior let me say this quickly you have a story to share. You want to know what that story is called? It's called your testimony. One of the most effective ways in sharing the gospel is your testimony. On your way out of the worship service this morning, you can pick up a piece of paper that simply says this: My testimony and then underneath it there are three different questions or statements that are made it's very simple to draw up or to write up your testimony the only thing you need to do is answer three different questions who were you before you met Jesus Christ let me just say this we were all in the same boat together all right we were all sinners And because we were sinners, we all sinned against a holy God. That is every one of us. It doesn't matter if you came to know Jesus Christ at five years of age or 85 years of age. We were all sinners. And until we understand that we are sinners who sin against God, we can never ever see a need for a Savior in our lives. It is only as we recognize our sense of hopelessness and helplessness that we're lost in our sins, that we can ever see a need for Jesus. Who were you before you met Jesus Christ? What happened when you met Jesus Christ? Your story won't look the same as my story, but I will tell you this, at Glorieta, New Mexico, at a youth camp, I got on my knees and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You have a story of when you came to know Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You don't sneak up on salvation. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's hide and seek, all right? It's not. You see? It's not. Salvation happens at a a specific point in time in your life where you give your life to Jesus Christ. You trust in Him, believing that He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. Now listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you have a story. Can you imagine for a moment meeting Peter, James, John, and Paul and saying to them, Hey, guys, share with me the first time you met Jesus Christ. And they looked at you and said, I don't know. I don't remember when I met him. Can you see what I'm saying? If you met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and say, I'll tell you this, you know it. There is nothing that made more of a radical change in my life than when I met Jesus Christ. Amen? And the same has happened in your life. You may need to go back and revisit it. But if you know Jesus, I'll tell you this, you've met him. Number three, what has Jesus done in your life since you've met him? I'll tell you what Jesus did in my life. He radically changed me. He gave me a sense of peace and joy in my life, an overwhelming desire to serve Him with my life. Now, I'm not saying that God calls us all to be pastors, but I am saying salvation is an indication that there's been change in your life. Think about this. Just listen carefully, all right? New birth, regeneration, born again, new creation in Christ. Each one of those words speak of change. Do they not? Yes, they do. They do. If you know Jesus Christ, your life has been radically changed, you have been moved from life to death, is what Scripture teaches us. Now, one last question that you'll want to answer or ask is this. When you're done sharing your story with somebody, your testimony, you'll want to look them in the eye and ask them this question. Has anything ever happened like that in your life? Their story may not look the same as yours, but I will tell you, if they know Jesus Christ, they can communicate there's been a time where they've met Jesus in their life. So this morning, as your pastor, this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. In just a few moments we're going to have a hymn of response and I'm going to challenge you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ to make the commitment to write down your story, memorize it and share it with someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Find that person. Share your story with them. Let me illustrate it to you like this. This is the best illustration I could think of to bring this sermon to a conclusion. If you're here this morning and you're married, I want you to go back to the time you met your spouse. Can you remember that time? It was like yesterday. I remember exactly where I was when I met my wife, Robin. I was in the coffee shop at the seminary in New Orleans. I remember the sense of excitement and joy when I saw her and I met her. I knew the day that I met her that I would marry her. I just had to work to convince her that she needed to marry me. But this is what I remember most about that. I couldn't wait to introduce Robin to all of the people that I knew. I called my parents on the phone. I said, hey, guys, I have met the woman that I'm going to marry. I would take her with me and I would introduce her to my friends and my acquaintances. Even people I didn't know I would introduce her to. You know why? Because I loved her. She was very important in my life. I would say the same is still true today. I enjoy introducing my wife to the people that I meet. I didn't try to hide her from the people I met. Can you imagine how she would have felt if I said to her, baby, I love you with all of my heart. You are very, very important to me. But I never ever introduced her to my relatives or my friends. Do you think Possibly she would have felt betrayed by me. I wonder, how must Jesus feel? when we tell him, "I love you, I want to follow you. You are more important." Than any person in all my life, you are Jesus. I'm trusting my life with you. But we never ever introduce our friends, our co-workers, our schoolmates, our acquaintances, our relatives to him. We never share our story of how we met him. What do you think? Perhaps a little bit of betrayal. This morning we're going to have a time of response. It's going to give each one of us an opportunity. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've given Him your heart and your life. This morning, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you during our time of commitment, our time of response, to make the commitment. I'll take one of those papers out here. I will write down my story, and I will find one person this week that I can share my story with of how I met Jesus Christ. Now listen to me carefully. if you have no story. I plead with you today. Let today be the beginning of your story. Today to be the day where you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We had a man this morning in our early worship service that made a profession of faith. I plead with you today, please do not leave here today without starting your story with Jesus Christ. I would love to share with you how you can do that this morning. Father God, we thank you for your love and the truth of your word, the way it speaks in our hearts and our lives today. Father, as we come to this time of response this morning, First and foremost, I pray that each one of us would just pause and look at our faith. You tell us in your word to see, to look at our faith, to test it, to see if we're truly in the faith. Father, I pray that each one of us would go back and revisit that story of when we met Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then, Father, I pray if there's people here today who are your followers, that they would make the commitment to go out and share their story of how they met Jesus Christ with the people around them. Father, if there's anyone here today who has no story, they don't have a story of when they met Jesus Christ and entered into a personal relationship with Him, I pray today would be that day. That they would trust in Jesus Christ believing that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins. We give you this time. Pray that you would be honored and glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen.